podcasting from the third coast and recorded live at Tripod South Studio. This is the Hango Show. You're a habitual namesayer, that's what you are. <laughs> she says it habitually. She's a habitual namesayer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hango Show. <laughs> this is your host, Hango Wood, back again. And my friend who's having a meltdown right now is Tarika. It's fine. So, I've got it together. <laughs> say hi, Tarika. Hi. It's good to be here. I'm glad to have you. I hadn't seen you in forever. I, I know. It's been a while. It's been a while. The, the reason she might sound like she's not sitting here next to me is because she has been in an undisclosed location for, for a good year now uh, mm-hmm. due to the the COVID outbreak. And, it um, was dark and bleak for a while, guys. <laughs> for a while. Yeah, just for a while. Oh, it's getting better. The year changed, remember? Oh, everything so goes away. It's yeah. be better, yeah. <laughs> You know, me and my boss were talking. COVID's over. <laughs> me and my boss were talking the other night, and uh, like our walk-in freezer broke down at like three a.m., and so I had to oh. call her to come in to help me do stuff. And we were talking, and I was like, you know, I I know it's December, but it feels like it's like March has went on all year long. Ever since yeah. all this stuff started shutting down, it's like it's been one long March. And it's almost mm-hmm. 2021, and now it is 2021. That sounds about right. One long month, more, more, I guess, more of a trudge than a march. So, if no, you think like about the, it, the it, month of March should be a, Oh, I know. <laughs> That's what I was saying. There should be a month called Crud, and that would have been <laughs> the month that COVID happened. That was, <laughs> from March, from March to trudge. I got you. <laughs> uh, uh, my friend Tariq is a very dear friend of mine. I love her to death. Uh, we used to back back before the sickness happened in the uh, in the before times. In the before times, you know the capital T, capital S, the sickness before the plague happened, <laughs> like a young adult book. The sickness came. I couldn't go to school anymore. Um, and you know, I always thought that I would be down with the sickness. Turns out, not so much. I wasn't. No. Uh, before, I was not. before all this happened, me and, me and Tarika used to meet maybe once or twice a month and have a good day, have a, have a good, uh, brunch at our local huddle house slash waffle house mm-hmm. slash wherever. And we sit around and shoot the shit. But now those days are long behind us. They are. And we will never see one another again, but it was <laughs> good while it lasted. We had a good run. Um, now I get to see you on video screen and that's it. Exactly. But, our- you know, I can't, I am a spit talk. Like, I'm a spit when I talk, <laughs> so you're probably safer this way. Where the like, f- that way, if I, if I get too excited, you know. We can do the whole prison thing. We put our hand up against the glass, you know, touch uh, touch my hand. There you go. Yeah. Uh, now, I wanted Tariqa on because, um, she, she number one, she's just an awesome person. And number two, she's oh. she's went through just some shit that would have would have ended a lesser person. Um, Lord, you don't even know about the beginning of my life. <laughs> you've been you've told me a little bit, but like I mean, we had known each other probably I don't know five or six years when when you got sick. Yeah, 
No. Um, I would because I, I had started working at Express at an, <laughs> at a clinic. Um, at a clinic, uh, and I would I would say it was like maybe twenty twenty three. So uh, I mean, maybe it had been more like three or four years. When when did you get diagnosed with cancer? Um, I was 26. It was 2009. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we'd known each other about, about six years then mm-hmm. because I met you and Fancy started working with you and, and yeah. Yeah. And that's when I had, I had my business open and stuff. Um, so to get into that, you had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, correct? I did to be specific. I had diffused large B cell lymphoma. Um, and that is a blood cancer, uh, specifically, um, attacked your lymphatic system. Um, and my very first symptom, believe it or not, itchy skin. Itchy skin? And, yeah. And it, you know, it started small at first, you know, just, man, my skin's dry. And then all of a sudden... I am waking myself up in the middle of the night because I am scratching so hard. Like I am, I'm literally scratching, you know, sores onto my legs. And, uh, the first time I went to a doctor and, and showed them this, these sores on my legs, like I'm, I'm so itchy. I don't know what to do. And, um, and they're just like, Oh, that's scabies. Oh my God. No, it's not. I actually work at a clinic. I know what scabies looks like because, yeah, I live around some nasty-ass people. Um, so, yeah, it's not scabies, doc, and you're too old to be a doctor anyway. Like, I, and That was another thing. I feel like if I had seen doctors who were maybe fresh out of med school or I don't know, actually gave a shit about their careers at all. Like weren't just, you know, working at the ER, you know, two on three off. Like I don't, but I feel like if I had younger doctors who gave a shit, like I would have been diagnosed before stage four B whenever it was almost in game for me. Right. Like, you know, stage five means there's, there ain't shit we can do about it except make you comfortable. So you're being treated by doctors who are used to treating like New Orleans hookers. Like you got scabies. But, right. Right. Well, <laughs> well, and I think another problem was, um, you know, I don't know if you know, if you've seen this or heard about this, but sometimes women are treated differently when they seek medical attention at the ER. You know, all women? Um, uh, no, turns out not all women. Uh, but definitely me and definitely <laughs> in my situation. Um, at the time I was a hairdresser, um, and I had, you know, some really, some really wild look at me hair. You know, I had my, my Betty Page things going on. I had wild colors and thought I was really hot to topsy. But yeah, they thought I was a fucking pill head. So it did not help me. They were just like, wow, party girl, she wants some drugs. I bet your back hurts. Get out. <laughs> okay, so when did, when did you go for a second opinion? Like that day? or No. Um, I, I, I took 
it's a doctor. Why would a doctor tell me I have scabies if I don't? Maybe if it's not scabies, it's some sort of related condition. He gave me a cream to put all over my skin. I proceeded to do that and then fell onto the floor screaming in pain because all of my skin was on fire. I tried to take a shower to remove this cream. It's like it wouldn't come off. And I was just, yeah, it aggravated my skin so much. I was red as a flipping tomato for like two days afterwards. And so, yeah, I didn't scratch for a couple of days after that because my skin hurt so much. Couldn't even scratch. Um, Then... Then after that, um, you know, I, I, they did an x-ray because I told them, you know, my back hurts really bad, Doug. Like, I mean, really badly. Like, I know I'm a hairdresser. I know I stay on my feet all day, but my back hurts really bad. They did an x-ray, found nothing. Um, I ended up over the course of about six months having to go back to that same ER because it was just in the county that I lived in. Um, about three more times and the last time they told me uh, they treated me like a like a drug seeker like I was a pill head you know they're like man we can't keep giving you uh pain pills and I was like and that's whenever I broke down and actually started crying my eyes out and I was like don't give me any pain pills tell me what's wrong with me 26 years old I'm in constant pain and I don't have the money to keep coming here like, I haven't even paid for the two other times I've been here. And nobody told me what's wrong. And, yeah, they sent me out of there again, not with anything. Like, just, oh, you got sciatica, I think was what they ended up saying. It was just oh, something, Jesus. you know, general, like, just breath you off. Like, sciatica is like the, the go-to diagnosis when they don't know what in the world's going on when you have yeah, back like or just, leg pain. Right. Yeah, just super generic sort of thing. Um, and then the way I got diagnosed was I went back to that clinic that I worked at. This little small town nurse practitioner was the one who found my cancer because I ended up waking up one morning and I literally the left side of my body was three times the size of the right side of my body. I was holding so much fluid. There was so much lymphedema in my leg and in my arm. I mean, I I could hardly lift my arm. And I remember having to basically walk my right leg around my left leg oh, because Jesus. it was so big. It was like walking with a fat lady's leg and my leg. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um but yeah, I went to see this small town doctor. Wait a and minute, she the, just like, the the fluid gain that was totally just overnight, like eight hours overnight. Literally overnight. Like I, I actually was able to fall asleep, and then I wake up. That was another thing. I had chronic insomnia through all of this. Mm. I would just lay awake for hours and hours and hours, days. I mean, it would. The longest I stayed awake was a solid four day period, God. like. All day, all night, laying in one spot because I couldn't move. My back hurt so bad. And, I yeah, eventually, I, yeah, woke up, had all of this lymphedema, went to see this nurse practitioner, and 
she did not like the sounds of how I was breathing. So she did a a chest x-ray. And she asked for my hip x-ray as well from the last time, or my back x-ray rather. And it actually had a shot of my hip. And yeah, she was like, she she had Nancy uh, call me and say, hey, Teresa, like, if you are walking right now, you get to a wheelchair. Do not walk. Your hip is broken. Oh, there shit. is a stress fracture in your hip because, well, there's a stress fracture and your hip is broken. She wouldn't tell me what was happening. And I'm like, why? How do you know this? Like, what's going on? And I'm pretty sure that Nancy already knew I had cancer by then. But she was just like, get to a wheelchair. I'm on my way to the hospital. And yeah, like she was in the room with the lady whenever she told me, okay, so we found. Oh, man. This lady comes in. And in, in hindsight, she looks like. Um, Juliana Margulies. <laughs> um, I, I guarantee you that that is not at all what this lady looked like, but that is how my memory has painted her. She's Juliana Margulies from ER, and so she comes in this room and she's explaining to me how they've done blood work. She's looked at my X-rays. I most definitely have um a stress fracture in my hip. Cannot walk on it. Um. And they have found several masses, um, one in my hip uh, and two in my sternum area. And I asked her what the hell that was supposed to mean. Like she had just said, yo mama to me or something. (laughs) You know, I'm just like, what the hell are you thinking on saying to me about some masses? Okay, well, you talking about some masses. But yeah. I get the the cancer diagnosis, and I'm just like, nope, that's not true. That's not happening. So you went You're like a liar. You went like immediate denial over it then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely said, you're a liar. I'm young, and I'm still going to have babies. So that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And she said, okay, I'm going to leave you and your friends and let you process this for a little bit. Somebody will be back in with you. And I was just like, yeah, don't fucking bother. <laughs> and was just real sassy about it. And I know that Nancy was probably like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I was finally able to, you know, get it together, uh, understand what was happening. And then within a couple of days, I was, in the ICU. Mm. I went from being admitted through the ER to the hospital to all of a sudden my lungs are not just filling up with fluid, they are full. Like I am drowning in the open air and I I went down for an x-ray and I remember waking up a couple of weeks later. Mm. Now Let's see here. When I came to, we came to see you in the hospital. I know you were on another planet. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they, they had you. Do you remember us coming at all? I do. Okay. Well, I didn't know. I just remember we walked in. You were, God, you just looked, you looked so helpless laying there. 
And yes, and that was I, not I, you I at was. all because you were always yes. you're always just go get them spark plug kind of person. <laughs> and I walk in and there you lay in that bed. Now, I, I, for those of you who don't don't know, I used to be a heavy smoker. I talked about it on the last episode. I was a heavy sm- We all were heavy smokers. I think everybody in our yes. group. We all used to light one off another one like it wasn't nothing. Absolutely. And we walked in and you said, y'all, you got to stop smoking. You know, and I should have stopped then because you said it. You know, but like I said on my last episode, I didn't stop that for my grandpa died of lung cancer. You know. Um, so when you, how, how long were you in the hospital? Oh, let's talk about your doctor for a second. Your oncologist. He is my favorite okay. person in the world. You mean doctor, congratulations. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's, let's don't, let's don't out him or anything, but he was, no. like, <laughs> he, was, he, was a, he was a portly sort of gentleman. Yeah, he was, um, he was a, he was a younger guy. He was probably wait, in his forties. He was, you know, yeah, I would say late thirties, early forties. And he, he had this gimmick. Wait a minute, he, came he had in, a gimmick. He came in while we were there. He was like, congratulations, and shook your hand. And y'all talked for like five minutes. And he left. You're like, that motherfucker says, congratulations every day. <laughs> Congratulate me for living one more day. Or what's going on? <laughs> that, I, I eventually asked him, that was actually the morbid thing he was doing. Oh, no. <laughs> he was. <laughs> That that is what yes. Oh my like the morning thing I thought he was doing. Congratulations, you made it another day. Like yes, that is what it was. Holy and shit! I it was that was his gimmick, man. Like apparently he thought it was it was winning people over. <laughs> it just made me think, wow, what a flake for an oncologist. <laughs> maybe let's not think about how days are numbered. And let's stuff, take straight you know? to death on everything. Yeah. Right, so how long were you in the hospital then? Um, I went in on uh, May the 7th of 2009, and I got out uh, June the 11th. So a little, a little over, over a two months. Or two months, sorry. Yes. Yeah, because I was in for the whole month of May, and, and yeah. Right. Um, what about treatment? What did they start you on? Um, I okay. So for my treatment, oh man, my treatment. The first time I had it, it kicked my ass. But it was it was because the tumors had broken my sternum. Like the tumors in my sternum had broken my sternum, which caused my sternum to puncture my lung, and that is what was causing a fluid leak gotcha. into my lungs that they didn't know where it was coming from. They were just like, man, all this fluid's leaking into her. We don't know what it is or where it's coming from. And, yeah, then they found out after they took me down to x-ray, but it was already too late. I had to go to the ICU because I coded. Um, what, oh, I forgot the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did, once you got out of the hospital, once they got you patched back together through everything, what, what did they give you for treatment? You didn't do radiation, did you? Oh, no. I never had to, did, um, luckily did, enough. You did I did chemo. chemotherapy. Um, and uh, the I had my first two chemotherapy treatments in the hospital. And it was uh, 
it was what's called CHOP plus R therapy. I don't know what the C-H-O-P stands for, um, but that's what it is. It's capital <clears throat> C-H-O-P plus R, and the R is rituxan. And that is the, you know, the kill the cancer poison right there, that rituxan. And it, uh, you know, I would have to go basically every other week uh, for these treatments. And one of them would be like just two or three hours long. You know, I had a chemo port. Um, and so they would just basically, you know, just puncture through the chemo port, put in the medicine and send me on my way, you know, three hours later, give me snacks the whole time. Super great. Those nurses are nice. Um, but then I had this long treatment that was like the, the next week that was like, six to eight hours depending on how well my body would take the medicine because sometimes your body just doesn't want to absorb it that quickly that's a lot of poison to take that quickly and it would make me very sick but I did have lots of anti-nausea medications and and yeah doctor congratulations was very good about you know keeping me keeping me from where I didn't puke like making (laughs) making sure that I had enough Finnegan or, you know, whatever. Let me just say, I wasn't talking bad about him. The, the, the guy had a, had a, it's like he had a great bedside manner other than congratulating oh, he, he you was, for not he dying. Was a nice dude. <laughs> and, and I will say, motherfucker cured my cancer. Right. Like, he is forever my hero. Like, yeah. He, I, the I remember you were making shows for my cancer was yeah that was the one thanks doc you were like photoshopping glamour stuff like when the lens flares and stuff of his picture and i used to love that you made him look like an all-star <laughs> yes he like seriously he like at one point in time i know that i i just bust people's balls but like yeah, I love that dude. Like he, yeah, I hate that you know he doesn't practice near me anymore because I still have to go for you know yearly checkups just to make sure everything's okay. But it's just now they aren't scary, and I'm not sitting there wondering, oh God, I feel like everything's okay, but they're gonna tell me it's bad. <laughs> like is it, you know, it's nothing so so serious now. All right, so you. How long were your treatments before they they said that you were you were in remission? Um, I let's see here. Uh, about five months, I had to do this chop plus R therapy. You know, one week I would do the shorter treatment, the next week the longer treatment, and uh, on the week of the longer treatment, like my treatments were always on Thursday, I would have to go that Friday. And get this thing called a neupogen shot. And it basically just causes your body to um, produce stem cells. Gotcha. Um, and, yeah, like, basically, yeah, re- renew my body's cells, you know, that, that all of the treatment had just killed off. Like, yeah, put some put some stem cells in me, get some new stuff going. Gotcha. Have you seen, like, the new the, the um, modified T-cell therapy they're doing now? I have heard about that. Stuff that stuff is crazy. Right? It's like they're ma- they're they're manipulating T cells to like search and destroy cancer cells out and without without causing yeah. as much 
problems as chemo or radiation. It's I've, I've seen like video of the T cells working, and it is it's something out of sci-fi. It's, it's freaking crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to seem like an infomercial for cancer, but I mean, come <laughs> on, guys. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. All we can do is put poison in our bodies and yeah. hope that that's what. That, like, nope, got to be a better way than that. Your science. I know you got well, something else up your sleeve. Well, it's the fact that they're using like the person's own T cells and engineering them, then yes. putting them back. You know, so it's not considered a foreign object by the body. You know, and it's able well, to go to work. Go ahead. I have um, some of my own uh, stem cells waiting for me in Jackson in case uh, my non-Hodgkin's lymphoma ever comes back. Um, I was told uh, whenever I went into remission that, yeah, that's what they were harvesting these stem cells for me for um, is so that if it ever comes back, I will go, you know, down to this hospital and they they will have my treatment and they will mix it with uh it will be like half chemo and half of my own stem cells and they will just feed it into my body and yeah so cancer gone no no hair loss this time though <laughs> but the good i know that you were you seem like you were kind of self, not terribly, but kind of self-conscious about losing your hair. But you, you wear, oh no! But wait, wait, terribly. you you wear terribly short hair so well, though. You know, I anyone can wear anything well, but when they don't choose it, oh, I understand. Adult, that is Absolutely. what makes all the difference. And I think because yeah, I look back at pictures of me from then now. You know, when my hair was growing out, and I'm just like. You're cute as a bug's ear, girl. You need to do that again. <laughs> but at the time, I was just like, I look like a dude. Everybody's looking at me like they want to sign me up for their baseball team. <laughs> I usually say, walking around here looking like a lesbian. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you know, but I mean, but you, I understand what you're saying. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to cut my hair short, try something new. It's another thing when the medicine you're taking to survive is taking that from you as well. Right. It's making you and, sick. Like I said, you know, and it, and plus it's it's taking quote unquote your beauty away from you. Right. You know, that's a yeah, that's a big, you know, female trigger for one, but I was also a hairdresser. Yeah. You know, that was that was my livelihood. That's what man, I love some hair. I don't care how corny it is. I love doing hair to this day. Um, and yeah, that I don't know, it just felt like it felt almost like cancer wanted me dead or something. Now that I think about it, <laughs> kind of like it was like its whole purpose and mission, you know. Almost like it was my enemy, and it wasn't my true friend. Like it was to try to eat I'm your body from the inside out. Right. Okay. So, how did you find out you had? And what was the precursors to finding out you had you had MS? Okay, so you know getting my life back after cancer. Right. That, that's all I wanted after cancer. I just wanted... You wanted to live. I, I wanted my old life back. I just wanted to be young. I wanted to have fun again. I wanted to be in the world, around people, and just living my life, and walking around, not on a walker, and, you know, just being able to do things. Um. So I... You know, I was I was still 
kind of sick for a little bit after cancer. You know, I was like, I was, I was, you know, getting back, but I, I was, I still didn't feel well. Um, but then after, you know, a good, good year or two, I would say I got, I got up, pulled myself up, I was the bootstraps, and wanted to go to school. Um, and I, you know, I went for an accounting degree. And I was uh, living with uh, a, a friend from high school uh, that was that was an attorney at the time, and she uh, she was actually working in the town that I was going to school in. And uh, I called her after, like, while she was at work one day, and I was like, "Hey, I am standing in the Kroger's." as you do in the South. Um, half of my face, the right half of my face, just went completely numb. I'm pretty sure I'm having a stroke. I don't know what to do. What should I do? And she was just like, well, you get out of Croker. Might want to call 911. I mean, that might um, be the next step. And I, well, and I was, incredibly calm for somebody who was very certain that I was having a stroke. Right. I was, I was very certain that that's what was happening. Um, but I didn't, I should have known I wasn't because I was still too aware that other people might be looking at me and seeing me have a stroke. So I was trying to <laughs> say, you know, still <laughs> like, Hey, Hey, no, I'm, I mean, this side of my face is not palsied. I don't, I don't know if that's what you think that no, don't look at that. Like, um, but it, yeah, I was standing in Kroger, I called my roommate and, um, then I called, then I called my mother and she said, do you think that you can drive? Oh um, and I said, um, yes, I do think that I can drive. Um, she said, well, honey, it's not a stroke. Okay. First of all, I want, I wanted you to answer that. And if you can think first of all. It's not a stroke, um, but I think I think you do need to just drive home. You need to go to sleep. You need to now, wait a minute. Do something like I like. She starts asking me all these questions about you know like I had stayed up the night before all night studying for a test, and she was like, "Honey, you were just you were exhausted. That's all that is." You're you said exhausted. you had like the like the. Like the side of your face went numb. Was it the entire side of your body or just your face? Not yet. Just my face. Okay. Just my face went numb this first time. And uh, then, you know, I, I, I do what my mother says. You know, she she had went to uh, through the nursing program. Um, and so, yeah, I, I trusted what she said. She was like, I, I seriously think you are just overly tired. You know that. You know, you can't do this to your body. Like, I mean, I get it. You're young, but you're not invincible. Don't don't do this to yourself. You know, hydrate, get you some rest. You're gonna you're gonna be better whenever you wake up. Well, I she was right. I was. Um, I I just got plenty of rest. Um, and for a couple of weeks, I was fine. And then one night, me and my roommate, um, we are playing board games with a couple of our friends and that numb feeling starts on the right side of my face and it I feel it I mean it's just like creeping down the whole right side of my body until like I mean it's like my whole the whole right side of my body is asleep 
You know, I mean, it's like that pins and needles feeling that you, you get in your foot or something that was on the whole right side of my body. And I, I was real scared. Um, you know, I, I went to the ER and they said, you ready for this one? Sure. Yeah, Bell's palsy. Mm. That's what that is. But you're going to say your sciatic nerve again was the problem. I don't know they're going to go with that. No. <laughs> I would, that would have been more perfect. That would have been so poetic. Um, but no, they, they said, yeah, it's Bell's palsy. And then they were like, now what set of wrestlers are you related to? And that's what we spent most of the time talking about. Yeah, is who what set, yeah. Yeah. genealogy, right. Right, because that's important. Right. Um. And then uh, whenever I finally got diagnosed was uh, one night I was out with like one of the only redneck buddies that I had. He like, yeah, we were, we were out in his big old truck. We were hanging out with his redneck friends. I was being one of the dudes, you know, wearing my cowboy boots and my, my fancy little, little cowpoke dress. I was so sassy. And then the next thing I know, my ass is laying on the ground and people around me are yelling my name and slapping at my face. And I'm like, y'all better get the hell on. Like, I, what, what's happening? Why are y'all slapping me? What's happening? And then I realized I have passed out. Like, I, and that happens like three or four more times. Uh, my friend Dylan has to come get me and he takes me to the hospital. Okay, well, wait a minute. In their defense, how much Mad Dog did you drink at that point? None. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a drinker. You know, you that. know that. Come on, I'm joking. Now, it, now I ain't going to say I hadn't had any sort of herbal help. Well, um, herbal therapy is good for people. So wait, it Dylan, is. Dylan grabs you up, takes you to the hospital. Yeah, he, well, actually, you know, Dylan, had, he had, he had been my friend through cancer and everything, like, so, yeah, he didn't take me to the hospital that night because I begged him not to. I hate hospitals. Don't we After all? After you live in one, you hate them. <laughs> um, so, and Dylan so, takes care of you, I should say. Go ahead. Yeah, he took care of me that night and then said, guess what we're doing this morning? Going to the, hospital. Going to the hospital. That's right. Yeah. And so, we went to the hospital um, and I, that is where I met my current neurologist. He was on call just my luck at the hospital that day and he was like I am just looking at uh, the MRI that you had at the previous ER that you went to um, this was in a different county this ER um, and he was like and yeah I you know I haven't done a spinal tap yet um, but yeah everything is telling me you have multiple sclerosis you have two lesions on your brain that I can see very clearly from your MRI. Um, and so, yeah, he, he was, you know, he was very matter of fact about it, but also not uncaring at the same time, you know, just like, right, here's the facts as I see them. And here is a clear strategy for how we're going to get to you. To be okay with well, it. Well, I mean, like, isn't that what you want in a doctor, though? You don't want somebody who's going to sugarcoat right. it. And you don't want somebody who's going to be an asshole about, but, but you're, you're done. It's over. Yeah. You, you want somebody who's going to say, be, be on, straight, like you said, straight down the middle. Be like, 
This is what you got. Okay. Now to fight this, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Somebody who, come, yeah. somebody who comes in with the truth, but also comes in with a battle plan. I think that's what everybody wants well, in a doctor. And I think he probably did that because, um, at the time, I'll, I'll just tell you, whenever, whenever I got diagnosed with MS, that was a lower point for me than being diagnosed with cancer, which sounds weird because, you know, MS is not going to, well, not today, not with the treatment for MS. That right. there are, it's, it's not a death sentence like it would have been in, like, you know, the 60s or something like that. Um or it's not a March of Dimes commercial either. You know, I don't have to roll around in a wheelchair for forever. <laughs> right. I, I am perfectly upwardly mobile. And that that is not at all how I saw it. He said MS. I immediately started seeing March of Dimes commercials in my head. Shriners <laughs> were raising money for me. You know, it was, it was crazy. And he, I think he saw that all over me. And he was just like, right, okay, n- no, we're not doing that. Like, we're going to talk about the facts of it. And we are going to make a strategy for how to tackle this. And yeah, like there is no woe is me. There's just a this is. Yeah, but I mean, you just I, came off. You just came off fighting cancer. You know, right? So I mean, and that I, is I would get that. You, you're like, hey, I fucking beat cancer. It's time for me to live for a little while. And it's, yeah. it's like a one-two punch. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would be totally with you. Like, what else could go wrong? You know, well, I remember saying to my mother, oh, my poor, sweet, sweet mother, like she, she tries to lift me up with Jesus, but like she doesn't understand that that's not possible <laughs> for me. You know, for her, I get it. I get it. That's the only way she gets lifted up. But like, yeah, I'm, mm-mm. Uh, but she tried telling me, well, baby, sometimes. God don't need you to be happy as much as he needs you to be strong. Oh, he needs you to be strong right now. And my dad was on speakerphone whenever she said that. And he said, I think she's had enough with being damn strong. Man, I joking. think she's ready to be happy. Yep. And I was just like, you know what? Thank, thank you, Dad, because I couldn't say that to her. But yes, 100%, that's true. Um, but... That is kind of how it felt. Like, why? Why is everybody always picking on me? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What the hell did I do to incur this kind of karmic wrath from the universe? You know, like who gets cancer then in this? Yeah, but I think we. I mean, it comes to a point in everybody's life, unless you, unless you are just born with a silver spoon up your ass, that everybody's like, man, I, the hits just keep on coming. It's right. always one thing and then another and then another and then another. But yeah, but see, Josh, I was I was like twenty six and I didn't re- I didn't know that yet. Spoiler <laughs> alert, guys. Spoiler alert. No, I mean, but but you, you know, I'm sure that you had points in your treatment, whether you were alone or with other people. But I don't ever remember seeing you down about anything with your sickness. You all, I mean, you it made us been in public, but you kept a pretty brave face. Through all of it. It was just in public. Because I'm going to tell you, every time, every single time, somebody told me, you were just a little walking miracle, girl. You you are so brave. You are so this. You are so that. You are so full of shit. You don't know how many mm. times I fall asleep 
grind because I don't want to die. I'm scared of it. I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, like it just, it felt false every time someone said that to me. But now that I'm older and I have learned better ways to make it in the world, I know that that is, while it is, people needing to needing to feel like they're lifting you up in a way like oh bless her heart she's such a little blessing that girl you know that that's how people do in the south and they need to look at you and feel sorry for you and feel better about themselves right. too um i i am aware of that but also I can, I don't know, I can take it for what it is. Like, yeah, I'll be your little blessing. I'll be your little inspiration if that's what you need me to be. But just know that that's not actually the way it is. Like, at night, I'm going to go home, and I might be scared about the plight of my life. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So... They're treating your MS. Are they, I know you do the infusions yes, once a um, month. Those, or, or? No, actually, it's, oh, it's even better than that. So my first MS medicine, it was, these, it was these capsules that I took twice a day. And if I missed a dose, it would cause like this terrible almost allergic reaction but not quite allergic Mm -hmm. it would just make my entire body turn red and itchy which let me just say that's a freaking cancer trigger it's just my first (laughs) symptom like why are you gonna make my body all itchy of all things right so yeah that was that was my first medicine i was on it for like a couple of years and then he switched me to another medicine and then i finally got on this medicine called uh, Tysabri. It was a once a month infusion. I was doing really well with it. Um, and then about a year into using it, I started getting terrible migraines. And I know, I know that every one of you out there have a relative that sits in a chair while she's watching TV and says, oh, I've got a migraine. That bitch ain't got a migraine. <laughs> if she can watch TV, if she can speak to you, she ain't got a migraine. I'm talking when I get a migraine. I am violently dry heaving the whole time. I am drenched in sweat. Like the last time I went to the ER with a migraine, they said, Are you sure you haven't been exposed to coronavirus? That's what I look like whenever I have a migraine. Um, but he, he, so because I got these migraines, he switched me to this new, like, experimental medicine for MS. It, it, well, it was when I started taking it. It right. was experimental for MS in the U.S. They've been using it in the EU for ages for MS. Um, but yeah, it's called Acrevis, um, and which it sounds like, you know, uh, a Star Wars ben- uh, villain, <laughs> like General, General Crevis, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, I take it. It is a once every six months infusion, so I only have to go to the infusion center twice a year, and yeah, the rest of the time I get to live a normal life. So you're just down to once a year like, now, twice, twice, twice a, a year. year. Man, that's mm-hmm. great. 
Yeah. I know we used to try to like plan our, our, our brunches and coffee stuff. And you'd be like, well, I can do it. I'm going to be up there this day. So I know you'll be close to, I'll be close to you then. If you want to do it, I have to do an infusion that day. Well, that's great that you're only doing it twice a year now. That's much better than once a month Mm -hmm. running back and forth. Absolutely. Okay. Let me do an ad read right quick. This episode of the Hango show is brought to you by ebels.com. Ebels.com has premium CBD products sourced from American farmers for all your pain management needs. Liquid CBD in a variety of dosage amounts and my personal favorite, their CBD freeze gel. I have aches and pains from old sports injuries and everyday activities, but Ebels freeze gel knocks them out cold. Visit Ebels.com and use the discount code HANGO for 15% off your purchase. That's E-A-B-L-E-S dot com. All right. With that out of the way, what I want to talk to you about is, um, I guess we can go into like the, the life in Corona, kind of like life of pie, I guess. Uh, your your life since Corona hit, um, hadn't seen you in over a year now, and you've been locked away inside. Um, mm-hmm. I guess right before Corona hit, uh, a friend of ours who moved to England has gotten really big into CrossFit, and she has made a huge turnaround in her life. I mean, she looks like a oh, totally different person. Yeah, she um, she did not get into CrossFit. She actually talked me into getting into CrossFit. What was she doing before? Because she she does a type of of fitness that is cross training. Oh, it's like circuit circuit training. Is what she was doing? Yeah, like right, circuit gotcha. training, right. but it is not CrossFit. Gotcha. Like they do actual Olympic lifting. Like she print. She pretty much hates on CrossFit all the time, but she <laughs> says, you know, like CrossFit's like the only thing that I am going to be able to get over here that's similar to what they do at her gym. And now she has gone from, you know, working out at this gym, you know, losing over a hundred pounds at this gym to, yeah, now she's a personal trainer at this gym. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know she had. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Um, Yeah, she is. She has achieved that during the COVID lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I told you, we talked about, about different workout plans and stuff like that before. Are you leaving me? You're, just, you're taking no, me with no, you. No, <laughs> no, Foxy just, uh, Foxy opened my door and I was trying to close it. Trying to wrangle her out. Um, me and you talked about, had talked about workout plans before. And, and you know, I, I don't have a problem with, I mean, everybody's different when it comes to workout plans. Some things work for some people. Some things don't. My only problem with CrossFit is that, they seem to want you to go to failure a lot of the time. And to me, that seems kind of dangerous. Uh, um, it, it is. Cause you start, you start messing up, you start messing, you start losing form and lifting, you know, and stuff right. like that. So that is where CrossFit sucks dick. Okay. I mean, all the dick, that's where CrossFit sucks. But, um, they don't care about proper form. Okay. They will teach you, like in the strength segment of your class, they will teach you proper form. Uh, spoiler alert, they're not paying attention. They're not paying attention to you, okay? They've got 15 other people in there with you. They're watching their form too, you know, correcting Karen's form and Diane's form and Steve's form over here. Yeah, what am I doing? Like, I don't know. Am I doing this right every time? I don't know. Does that look right? Maybe. Um, they... Yeah, that's kind of how they do it. They they don't care. And uh, 
Like they just want your 150 bucks for the month. And yeah, like let's just sign people up and get a bunch of people in these classes and get them moving really, really fast. So what are you doing now as far as fitness goes? Are you training, am, are you training with Ramona virtually or what are you doing? Well, um, sometimes, wait, okay. So I am about to start this week, um, you know, because England just went into a lockdown again. Right. So now they are doing uh, online classes again. So I am going to start working online with Mona. But what I have been doing is um, I have a friend named Karina, and she and I, like, you know, she's single, just her and her boyfriend and her dogs and her kitties. So, like, you know, she doesn't go anywhere. She's not a dumbass. So I feel okay going over to her house and working out. Right. And, yeah, she and I do that every weekday morning. What type of stuff are you like doing? I will just, be, you're just doing like basic calisthenics or, or what? Circuit, circuit stuff. Okay. Um, I, well, what we're doing right now, I'll tell you, we are doing the same workout for 15 sessions. Um, it is called uh, a ZOO, Z-U-U workout. And all of the movements are very animalistic. Um, that, you know, it's like, it seems like a, gorillas and rhinos and like all of it is hell it's absolute hell but it's only like 10 minutes at a time like it's like two 10 minute circuits Mm. and then that's our workout done and i just listened to an award-winning science podcast that was talking about this swedish study that came out It was a five-year-long fitness study saying that if you are going to try and keep yourself fit, yes, you can do 50 minutes, you know, four times a week of some, some, you know, mediocre cardio, or you can go balls to the wall literally twice a week in four, four four-minute intervals. And just do that twice a week, and yeah, you get the same thing off of both of those. Mm. Yeah. I I do like, you know, got a 25 minute yoga thing. I do to me uh just, I mean, I'm I'm, first of the year. I've really got back into trying to to drop some, some more weight, um, drop 12 pounds so far. So I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's all water weight. You know, I I always hear that, uh, but it's still 12 pounds. I don't care how you, how you cut 12 pounds. It's 12 pounds. Um, yeah. And just the stretching and stuff does me a world of good and just, Oh, I, I bet. Yeah. Um, s- since the lockdown has started, you've, you've gotten really big. We talked before we started the show here, she reached up, put her headphones in and this girl's got some guns on her now. She's got the biggest, bi- I mean, I'm jealous the size of her biceps. She's jealous. Well, that's, that's <laughs> Quit flexing on me. There, well, no, I'm only doing it because these are arms that I used to wear cardigans on all the time even in the summer i was just like oh no somebody's gonna see my bingo wings flap <laughs> and now i'm just like what it's january that sounds like tank top weather <laughs> sun's out guns out baby um, right to, to tell me i mean you've never i mean you've had, had had conversations before about religion and faith and spirituality and stuff like that and uh 
you, you told me that you've really kind of gotten like into like Buddhist philosophy during this whole lockdown thing, just to, just to give you some mental, mental relief. I have. And you know, the thing, the thing that got me there, uh, of course it was boredom and podcast. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was still a, yeah, a great place to end up because I, I I was just really having a hard time mentally with all of this, like just being indoors, like not being able to go anywhere. Not like I literally haven't been to a restaurant. I would even be willing to go to a Chili's. I'm just kidding. It's not that that serious. That was a joke. That was a serious joke. I don't want to go to a Chili's ever. Um, But yeah, I haven't been to a restaurant in so long. I don't even remember what they're like, you know, I just want a waitress to be, you know, mean to me and not really care about whether or not I have a sweet tea refill. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's been a hard time, and I, I have been listening to lots of podcasts. I have been writing, and somehow, I well, I think all of it came because. My mother wants me to love Jesus as much as she does. And like, I don't, I just don't have the heart to tell her, mama, I don't even think he was real. Mm. Like, of course I can't love him as much as you do. I don't even think he was a real dude. Okay. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know. Um, but seeing how much peace religion in general brings her, like I, I was, I was just thinking about that right. one day. And I, and it was making me really sad realizing that I'm never going to be a religious or, or fucking God forbid a spiritual person. <laughs> never going to be spiritual. Um, but yeah, so I was like, wait, like there's gotta be, there's gotta be a better way. And that's how, that's how I just stumbled on Buddhist philosophy. Like I was, I was listening to a podcast about, philosophy in general and and I just read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance not that long ago Okay, um, which was uh, yeah don't believe all the hype that book's a load of horseshit <laughs> didn't like it it was an absolute trudge of a read um, I hated it um, but it, yeah there was too much motorcycle maintenance in there not enough Zen and that right. I wanted the Zen from the book, okay? But and so I, yeah, I'm listening to this philosophy podcast. I decided to, yeah, let's just dive back into maybe Zen Buddhism, like see what that's all about. And I mean, there are, I guess you can look at it, and you know, there's no deity, but yet people do practice this as a religion, right? But I'm not trying to do that. I, it would absolutely break my Southern Baptist heart, my Southern Baptist mother's heart to find out that her youngest child was a Buddhist. I'm never going to do that. Um, you know, I, I think, but you, you know, we, we've had, like I said, we had discussions before about, about faith and, and, and religion and stuff, you know, and one night we were talking and I, and I just mentioned offhand the verse from Philippians about, you know, Paul said you should, 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And you had a look on your face like I just slapped you. You're like, what was that verse again? And I said it again. You're like, you know, that that is what it all boils down to. Um, you, you just said, you know, I'm not sure if Jesus was a real person or not. If you don't have, if you don't have the faith in whatever religion, then then you're not practicing that religion at all. And faith is right. faith is kind of a kind of a gift either you have or you no one can impart right. faith on you. It's something that you've got to come and reconcile with yourself. Yeah, and, and I've said I, it. Go ahead. I I I, I envy that. Mm. You know, I, I see that in people all the time. Like, have like genuinely having the faith that God will make something okay. Like whenever you just don't see any other way for it to be okay, but genuinely believing that God's going to do this for you, he's going to sort this out and there's nothing to worry about. Oh my God. Like that just sounds like a, you know, a warm drink of liquor or something like just a warm feeling spreading out across your chest, you know, just comfort thinking something like that. But I, I just can't, I just can't mm. believe that. And, and, you know, that's, I have my own set of, of beliefs that really, I really don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know how they would, how they would boil down. You know what I mean? But I believe we have to, at some point we have to reconcile our own beliefs. You know, it's not between you and your mom or me and my mom or me and my wife what it's going to be between you and whatever that was a weird flex do what <laughs> i said that was a weird flex just showing people you had a wife all of a sudden oh, i've mentioned i've mentioned that i've got a <laughs> wife it, it, it's it's not between our closest our closest loved ones you know it's something that's between right. us and and whatever deity it is or between us and whatever we're putting our faith in you know that no one else can have a hand in no matter how much they want you to do something it's not on them. That's, that's right. between like, you and, and whoever else. Because none of us are getting out of here alive. Yeah. And we're all leaving alone. Mm-hmm. And, you, and yeah, I do think that what whatever you decide to believe in, you have to make peace with those two things. Or, yeah, you can't, you can't make peace with yourself or with your deity or whatever. Right. All right. I'm going to read an article. This is this week's uh, All-Star of the Week. The title of the article is, A man injected himself with magic mushrooms, and the fungi grew in his blood, which put him into organ failure. Cool guy? Well, that sounds like the opposite of a fungi. (laughs) (laughs) It says, A man experienced organ failure. After turning psychedelic mushrooms into a tea that he then injected directly into his veins. According to a case report out this week in the Journal of, of the Academy of, that's a big word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's, uh, it's here. A 30-year-old man's family brought him to a Nebraska emergency room after they noticed he seemed confused. This happened in Nebraska. You know what happened in Nebraska. Because nothing. Because going- there ain't shit else to do. <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Grow some corn? <laughs> like there's nothing else to do. 
The, okay, here's we're getting more into the, the nitty gritty here. The man had bipolar disorder type one. The doctor. Oh no. Yeah, uh, the doctors who wrote the case study learned he hadn't been taking his medications, so had been going through manic and depressive episodes. During recent episodes related to his bipolar disorder, he had researched how he could decrease his opiate use at home. His family said. That's when he read about the potential for psilocybin, the drug found in psychedelic mushrooms, a.k.a. magic mushrooms, for treating symptoms of depression and anxiety. Indeed, a a mounting body of research suggests psilocybin could be a treatment for people with differing magnitudes and durations of depression who haven't had success with traditional antidepressants. Previously, researchers at Johns Hopkins and New York University conducted multiple small studies of cancer patients who experienced anxiety and depression as a result of their diagnosis. After, after, after being given psilocybin, the majority of patients reported an improvement in their symptoms immediately after treatment and over time. The drug is not injected, however, which this man learned from a three-week stint in the hospital. When the man went on a trip on psychedelic mushrooms, they consumed them As when people go, let's try it again. When people want to trip on psychedelic mushrooms, they consume them as is or in the form of powder put into a capsule or tea that's then swallowed. But the man in this case studied, boiled the mushrooms in water, filtered the liquid through a cotton swab, then injected the substance into his bloodstream. A couple of days later, he started to become overly tired, vomited blood, and developed jaundice, diarrhea, and nausea. His family found him soon after and took him to the hospital. When the doctors met him, he couldn't give coherent interview questions, and after tests, they found he had a liver injury. His kidneys weren't functioning properly, and he had started to go into organ failure. A blood sample revealed something even more shocking. The mushrooms, which thrive in dark places, had begun to grow in the man's bloodstream, causing the aforementioned health issues. He needed to be put on a ventilator to breathe and had his blood filtered for toxins, the case report said. Doctors kept the man in the hospital for 22 days and gave him two antibiotics and one antifungal treatment. Spray, spray some tagamet. Man his turned his own body into a mushroom field? <laughs> which, he, which he was prescribed to continue taking for the long term after he left the hospital. So the guy survived. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't trust him for that because, yeah, he already wasn't taking his bipolar medication. So <laughs> let's, yeah, let's figure out another way to do that. Maybe monitor him. Oh, my better. gosh. But, Jeez. you know, I've heard old people say they're, they're out there shooting up acid, you know, and injected mushrooms. This guy actually went out and injected mushrooms into his veins. Oh, I ain't going to snort that marijuana. If somebody comes around me with it, mm-mm. <laughs> I ain't going to do it. All-star of the week for the show right there. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about, Tariq? Uh, you know what? After after I get a vaccine, because there are there's just stockpiles and stockpiles of it in the U.S., you know. Um, after I get a vaccine, I can go out in the world again. You and me, we huddle. Sounds like a plan. That's what we do. I hear you. All right, have you got nothing else to say? You want to plug anything? Uh, I mean, you know what? I'm going to plug the Crowder's podcast, book club podcast, the only book club podcast, not the one from the BBC. 
Okay. That one is kind of bald. It's not even, not very professional, if you ask me. <laughs> but the book club podcast featuring the Crowders, that, that is a gem. And they're on we all, like, you can find them, like, on all the podcast yep, stuff? Yep, you can find them on, on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, um, uh, Google Google Podcast platform, whatever that is. Good deal. All right, then. Tarika, I love you, hon. I love you, too, and thank you so much for having me. I'm going to have you on again. And I'm going to do it, too. <laughs> love all you guys. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please go by Tripod Broadcasting to check out all of our shows we have available. Go by and see Matt and Addison. I give that some thought. Also, stop by and check out Rick and the Boys, Barnhill Outdoors, for all your hunting and fishing stories. And of course, check out Aaron at I Have the High Ground, a Star Wars podcast. You can see all those and more on all the podcast platforms and also at tripodbroadcasting.com. Thanks so much. Have a good night. <laughs>